Hey everybody, welcome to the Spliff Podcast. I'm Bo Nellis, your host, and this is episode 50. Today we are going to talk about PTSD. Now normally I like to open the podcast up with a segment I call Stoner Moments. Uh, And last week I talked about Prop 64 and the Entourage Effect. I'm pretty happy with what happened with the entourage effect or the ensemble effect or synergy. Um, but I really want to go back and address some of the things I, I talked about in Prop 64 and just some of the things that I've learned in the week since I gave a bunch of unqualified thoughts. Um, but since it's such a current event issue, I'm going to move it to the end because I'm sure people who want to know about marijuana and PTSD after November don't really care about my irrelevant ramblings. But a slightly more relevant current event rambling is that Governor Christie just included PTSD for New Jersey's medical qualifying conditions in their medical marijuana program, which is fucking fantastic. And I hope that it brings a little bit of relief for anxiety that is being experienced by anyone who is dreading an eventual uh, Trump presidency and an attorney general Christie and what that might mean for medical marijuana programs throughout the states. I think in the end, George Christie is a politician first and foremost. And when it comes to politicking, lobbyists play a really big part in it. And right now, the veterans lobbying groups have a really big sway in both just politically generally as a lobbying group, and then specifically with the medical marijuana programs, because PTSD is experienced in such a large number of returning veterans. I think one of the things I saw was about 20% of veterans returning will experience some form of PTSD. But to be fair, this is not simply a veteran's issue. Anyone can suffer from PTSD. I personally, a lot of my mental conditions have to do or are connected to what would be known as PTSD, traumatic events that I've experienced in my life. Um, I think women in general, if you look statistically, are going to be a much larger percentage of the general population than than veterans. Um, but it's really about the collective effort to get this recognized because PTSD recognized in medical marijuana programs specifically is really going to help change how behavioral health professionals deal with medical marijuana and medical marijuana patients. Hopefully, fingers crossed, but it is a really complicated issue because because unlike things where you can get pain relief or maybe we see tumors shrinking, fighting mental health is an invisible war that that is waged within us and and doctors can't really see that and we don't always see that we can feel it a lot of times but we don't always see it and when we address cannabis use for PTSD a lot of the times we're going to be using it to fight the battles the symptoms 
that are manifested by that PTSD, the depression or the anxiety, the insomnia, the physical pain that comes from all the stress uh, that, that is associated with being in these heightened states, uh, the things that, that lead to the avoidance. Um, now, that being said, when you use cannabis to treat PTSD, it can actually trigger some things that are also associated with PTSD, things like flashbacks. It can also increase your anxiety. It might it might increase sleeplessness if you aren't using the best strain for you. And also because cannabis is not going to be a cure for PTSD. It is best to be used as part of a regiment to to address PTSD, to be used with therapy and meditation and physical activity. All of these things are pretty much must. And there are people who will be able to to overcome their PTSD with therapy and meditation and physical activity and and directives in their lives and familial support. And there will be people who still can't, who the pharmaceuticals don't help any, or the pharmaceuticals actually make it worse for most of us most of the time. Or they're just inappropriately given all the time and and pain relievers are being given for something that is really more mental in origin and and cannabis can really address all of these things together in a way that doctors don't know how to do with pharmaceuticals yet but which in so many anecdotal instances just seems to work really really well and while we're fighting these little battles with cannabis there is also attacks that are helping us win the bigger war with cannabis too. And these are things that we don't understand quite as well, but cannabis taps into our endocannabinoid system, which helps regulate all or most of our physiological responses. And it helps create this, this homeostasis when it's done right for our particular needs for our particular tolerances and what is now I'm using the term bioindividuality. Just like PTSD can affect people differently, cannabis affects people differently and vice versa. So there's a lot of things that that can happen with PTSD. Um, but basically, it comes from either experiencing or witnessing a traumatic event. And oftentimes the memories can plague you. Um, they can either be constant or chronic, or they can just pop up out of nowhere. And what that does is it triggers a fight or flight response in really inappropriate situations. Situations where if you have not experienced a traumatic event, you would not understand where the anxiety comes from. And that affects every decision you make in your life. And it manifests itself into other mental conditions, into other physical conditions and pain. Um, you know, the, again, this, the stress and the lack of sleep affect your body. They affect your digestion. And cannabis can help treat all of those things when it's done appropriately. 
but a lot of it's going to come down to what your personal tolerances are, what your personal preferred methods are. If you prefer to eat it, maybe you don't want to get high at all and you just, uh, a lotion really helps calm your anxiety. You know, that that's something that you could even use in public and be safe with. The wonderful thing about treating PTSD with cannabis is all of the options that you have for treating all of the ways it can manifest. So if you are newer to the podcast, I would suggest that you go back through and listen to some of the earlier podcasts where I talk about how to fight anxiety, how to fight depression, uh, how to uh, use CBD and understand the endocannabinoid system. Uh, to understand that you can smoke or vaporize or use topically or use tinctures or eat your cannabis. Um, and that all of these things can can come together to make exercise easier, to make sleeping easier, which then lower your stress, lower your anxiety, help your hormonal levels re-regulate and, and really bring your system back together again. And that is the way that cannabis is best used for PTSD. Some people are going to just need a little bit of weed here and there. They might just need to take a hit when the avoidance gets really, really bad. Other people might need a daily regimen of cannabis concentrate in order to keep their anxiety levels at bay on top of uh, different types of smoking or vaporizing cannabis throughout the day to deal with depression or pain or further anxiety. And it's going to come down to really being able to experiment for yourself and find what you're comfortable with. My best advice and my first advice, uh, well, it should always be my first advice, is to start slowly and work your way into it. And a lot of times, if you feel that being high isn't good for you, you don't have to get high in order to experience significant physiological changes from the introduction of cannabinoids and cannabinoid-based terpenes and even the flavonoids uh, and other components of the cannabis plant into your body. Now, because of this experimentation, again, it's really important to remember that this can exacerbate your issues when improperly matched up or if you take it too far, if you are the kind of person who likes to get high and you got a bunch of fantastic sativa, it can really induce a lot of anxiety. Um, but, you know, a lot of things can do that. My daily coffee definitely induces stress and anxiety. Um, the worst thing for my PTSD has been when I am in a really bad workplace scenario and I feel completely powerless and I get all the flashbacks from PTSD. I get all of the stress. I get all of the insomnia. I get, I get crazy things. And that's my biggest trigger. Cannabis might end up being your biggest trigger for that. Uh, and if you do, there are other options that you can play with. There are CBD. There are acidic forms that don't get you high at all, but can do a lot to relieve a lot of the the pain that might be associated with it, which could then again help you get better exercise, which might make you more likely to go to therapy because you're just feeling better all around and, and really talk about these things because 
Speaking from experience, we are a communicative species and sharing just lifts so much weight off of you so many times. Sometimes you don't know how heavy the weight is until it's taken off of your shoulders and and breathing just becomes easier again. Breathing just becomes easier. It is a mental and physical connection to each other. And and really playing into that is going to be key. And that's one of the amazing things about cannabis is its mental, physical connection through our various physiological systems that it taps into, that endocannabinoid system that we know so little about. So I hope that helps a little bit. I know it isn't a really specific answer, except to say that if PTSD is something that you are suffering from and you feel that cannabis might be an option for you, yes. Yes, it could be. And depending on your access and depending on your personal preferences, you have so many options to choose from. And I really hope that uh, you go back and listen to some of the other episodes that you you learn the difference between indica and sativa so that even if you can't walk into a dispensary and talk to someone, you can better understand any cannabis that falls into your bowl. All right. Now I'm going to talk about those stoner moments. First, I'm going to hit this bong load of some white buffalo that I have. I did post a picture on Instagram. It's a very, very purple, very blackberry kush dominant white buffalo. Um, But the effects are totally legit to the strain from what I read on Leafly. It's very euphoric. Uh, You get like this Romulan, very earthy taste to it. Um, But and then every now and then you get that blackberry like, ooh, my, so refreshing. And and it's, uh, it's really lovely. It's very heady, though without putting me down like I feel stoned but I'm still dancing all over my house like an idiot without even realizing it and then I'm like oh (laughs) so I'll hit this beautiful delight now this strain of white buffalo I got from a grower And it was grown aeroponically, which is hydroponics, but it's injected with air. So it keeps the uh, the water aerated and I think the roots aerated. I'm not entirely sure. It's really hard to actually see it while it's going because you're just getting sprayed in the face. Uh, But it is really nice and it looks gorgeous. Just gorgeous. It tastes... You can really feel it in the throat. You get that that bronchodilation, but it's not super in the lungs where it just blows it apart. It's it's I feel it like in a, I feel it in my throat. So the best way I can think of to say it. They're not too expansive. Uh, the other genetics in the white buffalo are Bay 11. Bay 11 is super heady and, and it can be a little coffee, but overall white buffalo is a sativa that won't put you down, lets you feel stoned and doesn't make you cough. 
significantly. It can be much smoother than a lot of other sativas. So I really like it. All right. So Prop 64, aka Alma. Now, last week I said that I didn't really see anything about Alma that would make me want to vote for it. And Stony Scott sent me some stuff that reminded me that there is one really important issue that is included in Prop 64 that is just, like I said in last week's description, it's a Shakespeare of legislation. It's just a little line and it guarantees that medical marijuana patients who are also parents will not have their custodial rights taken from them simply because of that fact. That is a really, really important cause to me. If you've listened to any of the other episodes, I have a lot of parent friends who are also medical marijuana patients who are afraid to grow on their own, who are afraid to have it in their house, who are afraid that they might lose their kids because they're trying to be better parents for their kids, which is ridiculous. And Child Protective Services has been a huge bully stick for the prohibition side of this war. And this would put an end to that. This would clearly put an end to that. However, it's not enough for me. It's just not enough for me. It's not enough to make me vote for it. I think we can still do that. I think we can make a huge social change, which is going to be happening. I think even including it on there might help. I don't know. There might be a huge backlash if it actually does fail and CPS could just go power hungry with it. That's also a possibility. But the rest of it just isn't enough to make me want to vote for it. You have protected parent rights. Fantastic. You have legalized recreational weed. What's the point of legalized recreational weed? So that people can get high and California can make money? Well, people will be able to get high, but California isn't going to make shit for money because none of this money actually goes to California. It doesn't go to the general fund. It doesn't go to homelessness. It doesn't go towards schools for the most part. I think there's there's some schools that get something in it, but I think it's for the research and it's just a tiny portion of money from what I have seen, a tiny portion of money, whereas we are giving a huge portion of money. We will be making over 10 years a billions of dollar industry of the drug abuse or drug education programs without any responsibility towards actual research by them. That just gives them a huge amount of money to lobby against any further legalization efforts, which means any attempts to fix this legislation are moot. They will be put down. It, it, money wins a lot of these times. And I know that I'm probably on the losing side of this. Prop 64 will probably go through. Legalization has never been more accepted by California. And I know a lot of people want regulations, and there's a lot of regulation that would come from it. There would be a whole bureaucracy that is created. And I do believe that cannabis needs a big bureaucracy. I think cannabis needs something completely unique to itself. And you don't get 
a good regulatory body with a half a dozen people regulating an entire state and an industry that is nascent. You don't get that without a big bureaucracy. So I also still don't like uh, the big money coming in after five years. Are we really prepared for another green rush? Are we prepared for the water impacts of indoor cultivation only? Are we on top of, because it, it is nice that this would legalize a hemp market, but I'm also really wary about that. I haven't read enough about that particular section to really understand it yet. And while I, I feel, of course, I want hemp to be grown, but we're going we're gonna to have hemp growing along the 99 when patients have to grow it indoors. That's stupid. And then going back to regulation, we, we have MRSA. We have MRSA, and that's MRSA with two M's, the Medical Marijuana Regulation and Safety Act. And that is going to be implemented in the next couple of years. Uh, and and from, from what I, I was looking into, I think it's actually MRSA that limits the vertical integration, not the Prop 64 uh, wording. I think it just referred to the, the vertical integration imposed by MRSA. I might be wrong on that, but I think when I... I went back, I was like, oh, it wasn't that, it was this. Um, but MRSA will regulate medical marijuana for a lot of people. So we, we have medical marijuana that is cheap, easy to access by people within the state, by people with disabilities, by people who are visiting from out of the state. Let's be real here. It really isn't that hard. It is relatively cheap and easy to get a patient recommendation that you can take to a dispensary and then procure your cannabis at a lot of different levels uh, of price range based on various local taxes and how willing you are to shop for a deal. Whereas, and, and I did look more into um, the the medical patient part of this too, because I was reading some articles that were like medical medical marijuana patients' rights aren't going to be changed at all. And I'm like, well, clearly they are because they're changing them. Um, you can still get a recommendation, it seems. You might still be able to take that to a dispensary, but you won't have any granted legal protections unless you join a voluntary state ID program. That voluntary state ID program will cost $100 for non-Medi-Cal patients and $50 for Medi-Cal patients. So if you are still buying your rec... And, and this is the same voluntary ID program that California has always had. Technically, and I have referred to it before, this is the only way that a cop actually has to accept your excuse that you have a medical marijuana recommendation from a doctor. While Prop 215 allows you possession based on a doctor recommendation, a cop does not have to accept it. And I believe that was because state legislation in SB 420 helped bring that ID program up and, and gave law enforcement a way to legitimize the medical marijuana program and releasing these people. I'm pretty sure that's the way it went down. Oh, man. That white buffalo got me a little fuzzy, not gonna lie. 
But I just, I would really like to see what happens with Mercer. I don't think, that I, I just I have so many friends who can barely afford their weed as it is. And we're going to make it so much harder for that. So much harder for that. Uh, what are some other things I wanted to, to go back and talk about? Oh, I, it, it limits possession. But um, I talked about limiting possession up to one ounce and what was it? Six or eight grams of concentrate. It didn't matter because it was a completely ridiculous transfer uh, or conversion from one to the other. It makes no sense what at all. Um, well, currently... Cannabis up to an ounce is already decriminalized. Anything over an ounce is a misdemeanor, and that doesn't change in this legislation. I think you don't get a ticket for an ounce. Like, you can legally hold up to an ounce, and a cop can't give you a ticket because of it. And and that would be outside of your home. So I guess inside of your home, you could have even more, but only up to six indoor plants. And I don't think that clarifies between mature and immature. So I'm not sure if you can have six plants total, no matter how many of them are yielding. Um, yeah, I, I, I didn't see anything else about that. So, and I think if you are a medical marijuana patient, you might still be able to have up to the eight or, or 12, or, or I think it was 12, six flowering and six immature, or it was eight and it was four flowering and four immature. I think it was the 12, but I think you can still get that as a medical marijuana patient. Can you have that as a medical marijuana patient with just a paper doctor recommendation that you got from a doctor on the internet in your living room? I have no idea. Can I still go to a dispensary? If I just have that paper recommendation, I have no idea. Do I have $100 to join a voluntary state ID program? Nope. Uh, I still don't like that you can't smoke in public. I still don't like that this, this just, it doesn't satisfy anything to me. It creates regulations and it creates a bureaucracy and it creates a legal market for all the wrong reasons to make rich people even richer in a relatively short amount of time. Uh, it, it's a drain on our resources environmentally. It doesn't make us any money. It doesn't make us any money. Not any kind of money that we can't see from revenue that is generated from medical cannabis anyway. I don't... And and, and a friend of mine tried to, to tell me that she she might vote for it because it can be amended and unlike Prop 215, the state legislature can make amendments to this particular piece of legislation after 10 years for most things. And then I think in regards to like it, it creates a bureaucratic power to to further define regulations. But I don't buy that. I, I don't think that I mean, the state legislature will make certain changes as needed for regulation and and after 10 years for the redistribution of the money. But one, I don't want to wait 10 years until California actually benefits from that money while also taking on all of the impact from this new market, uh, as we've seen ha has happened with Colorado. We're already pretty strained and my rent is already high enough. Thank you very much. And here's the thing is, 
Who's going to make those changes? How are you going to change it? You're going to have voter initiatives. Who's going to pay for that? Nobody is going to pay for that. Voters who need those changes can't afford their marijuana. They can't afford the petition collection and all of the lobbying efforts that are needed and all the palm fucking greasing that is needed in order to get these things moving forward. But I can guarantee you that if Prop 64 fails, there will be another big money attempt to create better legislation. That money will be there. That legislation is guaranteed to happen. We cannot change bad legislation that is already on the books. You have to stop it first. And that is why I'm definitely going to be voting no on Prop 64. I'm sorry, parents. You have every right to disagree with me. And I hope that if you find other reasons to vote for Prop 64, hey, do your thing. But I personally cannot in good conscience vote for prop 64 and i have received some very nasty letters uh on the yes for people who don't even live in california they just they want legalization so badly that any efforts to to usurp that uh they see as treason unfortunately oh well so so many reasons to vote against it. It will not get rid of the black market because the taxation is incredibly too high. Um, it takes away outdoor cultivation rights from anyone who might live in a place that will outlaw them. So cultivation for medical patients will be forced indoors, which is not the preferred method for most people and isn't environmentally friendly. There is no money that actually goes into California coffers, um, but is instead distributed to drug education, law enforcement primarily, and the education that is allotted, the only schools it goes to are state schools with cannabis programs, and that research is for the benefits and the dangers of cannabis. So you can guarantee that... That research is going to have a bias lean to it, even in the hands of well-respected cannabinoid programs within the UC system. I'm sorry. It's still, I don't want useless research. I would rather depend on small pharma. And I think we can do that. I think we just have such a Shangri-La. I am willing to work to wait. There is nobody here that is dying because they can't get their hands on cannabis. And there's no reason to legalize it if we aren't putting money in the right hands. Uh, so uh, kind of give you a safety too, since that was like a stoner moment and give you another safety. I got another podcast that I really liked, The Cannabis Report. And this is The Cannabis Report podcast out of Illinois, because I think there's also the website, The Cannabis Report, that is based out of the Bay Area in California. Um, but The Cannabis Report podcast, they have one episode on iTunes, if that's where you listen. They did an interview with Eugene Monroe, who is retiring from the NFL. Uh, he is uh, a member of the Baltimore Ravens, or, you know, whatever. I'm a football girl, definitely. I love football. I have my team. It's the Niners. But I don't watch the NFL anymore because I don't support the franchise and what they do with their money 
uh, and a lot of the things that they do to support their players. Uh, and, and that's all the more reason that I love Eugene Monroe even more because he has spoken out about his preference and the efficacy of the use of cannabis as a professional football player. And I believe this podcast is uh, either sponsored or in conjunction or being in Illinois, there are these, uh, there's a company called Biolytics that I've never heard of before this. And then there's a dispensary called Dispensary 33, which I actually had heard of and is one of the things that got me to listen to the podcast because I mentioned another podcast that I listened to uh, to help me uh, with my depression, which is called Wrestling with Depression. And that is hosted by Marty DeRosa, not Marty McRosa, but oh, Jesus, Marty DeRosa. And he, he mentions cannabis use every now and then. And he had said something about like not smoking weed anymore. And I was like, God, no, don't do that. And so I looked up dispensaries in the Chicago area that had CBD and I suggested that as an alternative to quitting cannabis naturally. And they seem really legit. They seem like totally like the kind of dispensary that I would want to go to and that I would probably love to support, like the higher path. Um, and so they have some some kind of tie into it, too. And then there's also a radio program that I will have a link to that uh, had a great interview that I really liked. And it is from another person who is no on Prop 64. And I will say that because I, I was talking with uh, my my advocate friend, Terry Best, who I've talked about before on the podcast, and she is yes on 64. Um, and one of the reasons is because the no on 64 people are so ridiculously crazy and conspiracy theorist centric that... Um, she really feels compelled that she has to vote against them. And I'm trying to to talk her into voting more uh, along her conscious and, and rationally. But these people are insane. I saw some websites where they were like, all these insiders. And, and they like kind of held her up as an advocate alongside Asa, um, who they demonized a lot of ways. And I mean, once you just start demonizing Asa like that. I, and I... I Issa is no angel to me. Like I've had my own personal issues with the organization myself, but I know that these are intelligent, diligent, and compassionate people who are in it for all the right reasons. And if I want anybody in that room, it is Asa and anyone who is associated with them. That is for sure. Uh, but anyway, so Terry was like, oh, these people are kind of crazy. And I was like, yeah, but this lady in the interview says all the right things to me. She says all the right points. And the interview is in the first part of the radio program. Um, and if you want to listen to the rest of it, go for it. If not, no worries. But I certainly found it useful. And I think I also posted it on the, the Facebook page. I'll try and get it on the Twitter, too. And while I'm here, before I go, I want to say that if you prefer, I am now on Stitcher. Woohoo! And I'm trying to get onto iHeartRadio. I'm going to see how that goes. I think I'm I'm still waiting. Uh, maybe you want to try it if you prefer to listen on iHeartRadio. Maybe I'll pop up. Maybe I won't. I don't know. 
but I'm definitely trying to throw more platforms out there. So reach out to me, guys. I'm on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Google the Spliff Podcast or Spliff Podcast. That's two S, two T's, no D. Uh, I'll take your questions. I'll take your comments. I'll take uh, your chit chat. Uh, I'll take your pictures of your weed. I love that shit. Yeah, send me that. Right? Stony Scott with those plants. He sends those to me. I love it. Outdoor cultivation. Let's protect it. Now, and if you're in the Bay Area and a place that's already pretty much super, super relaxed about cannabis, you don't really have much to worry about. You don't have much changing. And, uh, and I say, let's not change it for the rest of us. All right. I want to keep that kind of relaxation because I'm worried that I'm going to lose it. But anyway, yeah, send me your pictures. Send me your pictures of those beautiful sunshiny plants. God bless it. I love it. Oh, and if you're cool like that, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Yeah. All right, guys. Thanks for spliffing it with me. Ciao for now.